Um, last week, Dallas talked about kind of a launched us into this on purpose with purpose. And he talked about the trellis. And this trellis that he was pointing out, um, which has all these beautiful silk flowers, they grow so well on this. This, this allows for a visual, um, as vines crawl up, you can see it's almost like a ladder and it's got these places to grab onto. And so it goes up and climbs because it has something to grow on. And so the point of that is that we need things to grow on. And some of us, you know, I, I spoke a message not long ago about rules are guidelines rather than rules are rules. Um, but the guidelines that we all need are within this kind of a look. We need to have something to climb up to get close to God in order to bear much fruit. And so um, today we're going to talk about one of those areas. So the, the ancient word for this is called rule of life. And I have a picture for you. It's called a rule of life worksheet. And it's got four areas. So you can see on there that there's four areas on the outside. And the, they are prayer, rest, relationships, and work. And then in the middle is the love of God. And that's for receiving and giving. And so this was a tool that we used in emotionally healthy relationships in our course to help us define what it looks like to have a life with vision, with God at the center. And so it, it, it's kind of just a tool that we use. But the reason why I want you to see this is that it's, it's very um, helpful in a visual to see that the love of God connects everything. And the love of God has to remain in the middle. But often what happens in our lives is things slide in and out. And so the love of God ends up sliding out and something else like work slides in. Sometimes even prayer can slide in to get a job done and a duty rather than out of the love of God. Does this make sense? So we're gonna talk about how work can often slide into the middle and how that shifts everything and makes it difficult for us to keep grounded and centered in the love of God. Because when we get off center, it becomes about duty, it becomes exhausting, we don't work out of rest. We don't do anything out of rest. We do it out of a duty and an earning of our salvation or an earning of our place in God. So there, as we talk about this structure, you'll kind of get this, this framework, I think. So work, when we talk about work, it's unpaid and paid work. And these things look different for everybody. So certain work for me can look different for you. Some people love to cook. Some people hate to cook. And it is work. So when you're, when you're working through that sheet, you, you kind of have to define what feels like work to you and what doesn't. 
It might go under the rest department. And as we all know, seasons of life change and it just ebbs and flows and work looks different depending on where you're at in your life. Like we just saw with Joanna and Taylor, life right now, right Joanna? Not working outside the home, but working, definitely working at home. It looks different and it feels different and it has to be redefined. For women, this is a real thing. Women. This is hard because you go in and out of work, you have children sometimes and you, everything gets skewed in your mind of who you are because no longer when somebody says, so what do you do? You go, ah, well, I was a massage therapist. Well, I was a fundraiser. Now I don't know what I am. And it really hits to the heart of our identity. This is a big deal because it stops us from allowing Holy Spirit to work in and through us. And you know what? All of this <laughs> is so easy in theory and so hard in practice. But I want to thank you guys because you're part of my healing process. And it amazes me every time how Holy Spirit will um, bring you into something new because he wants a deeper level of healing for you. And so that's what he's done through this message for me. So thank you for joining me on this journey of healing that I didn't even know I needed. So... We have to start at the beginning, and this is, this is the point of why we get tripped up. The distinction of what God intended work to be, we need to look at the Genesis account. And this skewing of our vision of work happened with the fall, and Adam and Eve's disobedience was hugely costly for all of us and for them. So we're gonna be kind of traveling through quite a bit of scripture, it's gonna come up on your screen. Please just hold on for the ride because if we don't see what the word of God says about this, I think we lose something. So just stick with me, you can do this. Genesis three seventeen to 19 says, and to the man he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. And listen to this. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow, you will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust and to dust you will return. And most often, this is what we all think of when we think of work. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. Has anyone thought that? The day in, day out, getting up in the morning and thinking, oh my goodness, how am I gonna do this this week? However, 
Faith in Jesus brings with it a new view of work. So we have to jump into the New Testament. So Romans 8.20 says, Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So Jesus broke the curse on the cross, and it was that powerful. Don't be fooled. The cross was powerful enough to break the curse. I should be hearing an amen. The cross was powerful enough to break the curse. That was the point. The first Adam, the last Adam. The last Adam is Jesus. The first Adam was Adam, first man on earth. So faith in Jesus brings with it a new view of work. Romans 5, 1 to 2 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, so faith gets us there, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Everybody say it with me. Undeserved privilege. Where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. This is big. So we went from curse to sharing God's glory in the blink of an eye when we said yes to Jesus. We are made free to work and it will be all for God's glory. And don't be fooled. It will be glorious. If we take our place and stand in it, it will be glorious. Our work will be glorious. Now, all of you are thinking about your work and where it's been glorious. I want you to think on that. When has God come through your work? When has God been glorious through your work? When have you thought, wow, God, I didn't expect that? He does that because he's waiting to do it in your life. He's waiting to do it every day. You guys are so quiet this morning. I could be doing cartwheels up here, but I won't have a skirt on. God's purpose for work. So work was exemplified in Genesis 1 and 2. We're going back now. By the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. So God exemplified work in creation. So he loves work. He did work. The creation account indicates that God took his time day by day bringing the universe to life. And I just, I was so excited to see this. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, worked together to bring life. So the three of them are there and they are having such a party, creatively making the world out of nothing together. And they're like, oh, what if we did this? Like, what about this? We could do this. How about if we try this? And they're all loving it together because they work together in unity. And look what they come up with. Like, this is no minor thing. They worked together and they exemplified it. And in Genesis 1.26, it says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Just so you know, there was three 
let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So don't be fooled. It wasn't a lonely job. It was a unified job under the authority of God the Father and everything happened that we see around us. They could have just done it all in one big bang, right? Who says that God couldn't have just said, done, everything? But they took their time in six days to make everything like step one, step two, as my good friend Jackie described it to me this week that I got real excited about, light to darkness, darkness to water, water to skies, land to plants, sun and moon, living creatures, man. It was all based step one, step two, step three, very ordered, very specific, had to be that way. God got excited about this world, and every time he said it was good. And then he said it was very good when he made man. He was excited. We should be excited because he was excited and he exemplified it. He ordered each day with creativity and he invites us to do the same thing, to get creative in our work. Number two, created, we have been created to work. So work was not a result of the fall, we saw that. We were created to have purpose and work. Genesis 2.15 says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. God's intent, intent, God had intent all the way through scripture, purposeful intent. It was supposed to be a joy-filled task. So when the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're all so excited to show this to Adam. Okay, please just get a visual with me because this is awesome. God brings an animal before Adam and says, hey, Adam, look at this. What do you want to name it? Okay, think of all the animals. God brings a giraffe and Adam's like, uh, giraffe. And God let him name it. God wasn't like me, like a mom, and I'm like, uh, well, maybe that's not quite right. Maybe, maybe just, you know, drop the E. I don't know. So God let Adam name the animals because he wanted Adam to be in it with him because Adam was a big part of it. He invites us into creative work because it's fun, because creation was a gift to us, and we are to participate in it. We are even to rule over it, right? The Bible says it. I'm not making this stuff up. There, I have a video um, from when we were in Bali, and this just made me think of the beauty of what it must have been like for Adam. So check this out. This is Brooklyn in Bali. In the okay, boss, you can hold it. Water He's like boss. your little good friend. But it's a baby one, is it? It's a baby one? Oh. Can you see the spider? And there, he's spinning a web uh, on my hands. Yeah, Actually. this. But the, the body is just this, this, kind of, this big. But the leg is very long, actually. Yeah. 
And then just show that other picture of um, Regan, my sister. You can see the spider a little bit better. It was big with long legs, and it crawled all over. Remember, Hannah? It was, <laughs> Hannah wouldn't touch it. I did touch it, and it was like tickly. So God brought all those things in front of Adam and wanted him to have a part in that. It's just so cool. God knew that man couldn't just wander forever. We would need purpose. If that happened, if we were just wanderers, we would just flounder. We'd be lost. And you know what this is like. If you don't have purpose, you kind of just lose motivation. It's real. We become even more efficient and more productive. For those of you in the crowd who love productivity and love to be efficient, I won't name names, Daniel. (laughs) Still... God brings that to a huge degree when we are creatively saying yes to joining him in his work. He makes it productive. He makes it efficient. So in the invitation, this is the third thing, invitation. We, we just saw how the account of Adam being invited in, it's just so beautiful and Adam having autonomy in naming. In Genesis 2.19, it says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them and whatever the man would call each living creature. That was its name. So that's the picture. Fun. That's fun. All creatures, great and small, Adam named. And there was probably dinosaurs, so think of that. It's not a burden. I want you to hear this. Some of you have taken work as a burden. And rightly so, because it's become a burden. It's become exhausting. But it wasn't meant to be a burden. So some of us need a new revelation. That's the fourth thing. Work as revelation. Cain and Abel are a really great example of this. And I've always just not really liked this story, but I think there's something in it here about work. The first real example, I think, starts right after the fall with Cain and Abel. He wants to, God wants to show us something about the heart behind work with Cain and Abel? Because it's such a stark comparison between work done out of love for God and then work done out of just the bare minimum, just trying to get by and impress God. Genesis 4, 7 says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. That's God speaking to Cain. Sin crouches at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. We are invited to have a rule of life and to rule over it. 
or it will take us out. It took Cain out. But we need a revelation of work to do that. In the New Testament, it's referred to, Cain and Abel is referred to in Jude 1.11, and it says, Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. Okay, first of all, being put in a sentence with Balaam and Korah, you know it's bad. Those guys really messed up. I mean, Korah was swallowed up in the ground, so that's not so nice. (laughs) They abandoned themselves for the sake of gain. Other translations say greed or rushed for profit. That's what Cain was measured as. But Abel had a revelation of work. So his work was governed and directed by God. He desired to please God first. And he gave an offering that reflected his heart. The revelation of God was exemplified in what Abel did. Not just, not just through the offering, okay? His offering was the pinnacle moment, but there was a whole lead up before the offering that Abel was taking care of the sheep and he was diligently caring for creation under God's authority. And we get a real distinct picture that Cain's resentment was growing all that time. And then he just made this offering and it says... It says about Abel, so the difference, this was really good for my brain to see. Abel made of the firstborn and his flock, the firstborn of his flock, and fat portions. So that's the big deal sacrifice. But Cain just gave some produce. It doesn't say it was the first fruits, it doesn't say it was the best. He just gave some because he was supposed to. There's a big difference, right? When we just do the bare minimum and we just get it done, we just bring it forward, or we bring it with an offering and a heart of joy and that we want to honor God because he's so deserving of it. So Cain murdered Abel out of jealousy And it came with a horrible curse. Genesis 4.12 says, If you work the ground, it will never again give you its yield. That is so sad. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. What would you do if God said that to you? You will be a restless... Would you just want to go up, like, die? I think I would. Nothing's going to yield fruit for you anymore. You're just going to be restless and wander. That is a horrible way to live. He lost the opportunity for revelation through his work of the ground. So this message really isn't about offerings or warning against the love of money or profit or greed or gain or all those things that come with that story. 
It just is about the intent of our hearts towards work. It can drive us or we can do it with a joy-filled heart. So I'm going to tell you about my experience just so that you can give, understand where I'm coming from on this. And you all have your own stories and there's much healing that comes through telling our stories. So here we go. Um, when I was done doing my self-employed massage therapy business, I was actually 13 years, but that's okay. And not who's counting, right? Yeah. I was volunteering for our children's school, so Brooklyn and Boston School, Saskatoon Christian School, for an auction that they had every year. And it already had been an excellent fundraiser for them. And so I started doing this with a friend, and we thought it was the most fun that we've ever had, like truly. We would drive around in her car and get all these donations. And we thought at that time, since they were raising $40,000, like this thing could go big. Let's do it. So we decided to take it through the roof, and we just threw all of our energy at it. So... We did this, um, and it was a lot of work. It also was a lot of fun. But we did crazy things, like we asked for everything, everything, from art to TVs to quads to wind turbines to cars to cabins. We called restaurants, hotels, airlines, resorts, Caribbean vacations. And honestly, most of them said yes. We went after it so hard that that's all we thought about. We breathed donations. And we began just having success on every level. And we did thank God, and we prayed that God would give us direction and help us to do this. You know, the money was not coming to me directly at all, but I was so became under the influence of that adrenaline drug of the yes, that it was driving me. It was causing a stir amongst the school community and the students and the staff and the parents. We would put the items, especially this was a great thing, we put the quad in the front entrance of the school so that everyone, all the kids could go sit on it because you know what's going to happen. They're going to go home and tell mom and dad that they need to bid on it, and they did. Yeah, we got a little manipulative. I can admit that now. It kind of turns my stomach. So in the end, we raised a lot of money. One year, we raised $137,000 in one night. And it actually just about killed us. I remember someone saying to us, you guys are never going to be able to keep up this pace, you know. And I thought, yeah, you are so right about that. It had become our identity. And who were we? We were the fundraisers. We were the fundraisers. So you can hear the pride that was growing within me. So then they hired us 
to raise $1.7 million in six months for a building capital campaign. It seems logical, <laughs> these two wacko women who knew nothing. We had no clue what we were doing, but we just hit the streets and we thought, we can do this. We never thought we couldn't do it. <laughs> We had pressure before with the auction, but now this was like off the charts. And I was listening to podcast after podcast to try and learn how to do a capital campaign. And we were being watched very, very closely by the school community. And so that took my thinking and fear of disappointing people to a whole other level. And yeah, that was when I stopped sleeping at night. It was prestigious and we went to galas and we made big announcements and all these things that I thought were gonna be so great that you know, if we could just get this happening, that'd be so great. And again, it was that drug of adrenaline that drove me because I needed my identity to have some worth to prove that I could do this. It was all, it was becoming all about me. I honestly lost the whole reason of why I started doing it in the first place. And I, I had wanted to serve God, and I was doing it for a Christian organization, but it just morphed into this thing, this monster of a thing. And it stole the love. And one day I was so convicted by this verse that you know it, you've heard it, do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Well, it nailed me to the wall and I was all about that. And you know what happened is I just lost my first love. And I wanna ask you in this room and online, have you lost your first love? What are you working for? Who are you working for? Do you need to prove something to yourself? Do you need to prove something to everybody else? Do you need to prove something to, to the world so that you have a title? So I burned out. You've heard that story. We both burned out. I had to rethink the whole paid work role. And like I said, I was asking questions like, was I valuable if I didn't bring in a paycheck? Like I was measuring my hours, <laughs> my goodness. How long does it take to do laundry? How much would I get paid for that? Was I valuable if people didn't see my success and measure how I spent my time? Could I even just be a regular parent walking into the school? It literally took me years to settle that question of my worth outside of paid work. Literally years. I tried to measure my worth 
according to unpaid work, like I said. <laughs> How much did I get done today? Could I produce a checklist and say, here, Dallas, this is what I did today. Check, 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 check. See, I am valuable. Would my kids still respect me and be proud of me if I didn't work outside the home or they couldn't say, my mom is a... Does anybody relate to this? Eventually, I even lost the ability to stay consistent with my responsibilities at home. Now, that was a big kicker because... I was doing the home and the church stuff as much as I could, but migraines and chronic pain made it so that I was laying in bed half the time. And it whittled me down. It whittled me down. My identity of doing had to be crushed so that I could start again and learn how to be with Jesus. Just be. Just like the disciples when they were called out of their full-time jobs to just be with Jesus. You've watched The Chosen, some of you? Think of all the people that walked away from their jobs, their full-time jobs, just to be with Jesus. That was not a small thing. And then what does Peter do after Jesus dies? Goes right back to the job. He's a fisherman again. Well, that didn't work out so well. I guess I'm a fisherman again. I needed to know that God loved me no matter what I produced, whether it was a lot or a little or even, heaven forbid, nothing. As Lindsay McCall says in her Come Rest song, God, do you want my hands or my heart? Now, if we believe this truly, and everybody in this room is going to say yes to this, if we went to someone who was struggling to get out of a chair because they are a quadri quadriplegic, they cannot talk, they cannot do anything, are they valuable? Yes. They're valuable. What about little Henry? Is he valuable? He is cute. <laughs> He's got that. He's got a lot of things. But he doesn't produce anything. Oh, right. He does produce something. For those of you online, he produces things. And we won't even go there because we could really go there. We've all produced. <laughs> Did Jesus settle our worth on the cross or not? Did he? He settled our worth on the cross. He said we were worth it no matter what we did. When it said it is finished, it is finished. We are made whole. We are made complete. We are not needing to do one more thing. It's done, and we are now able to cry out, Abba, Father, because we have been adopted. And nothing, nothing changes that. 
this message is really a lot less about work and a lot more about love. If we love him, we will settle this issue with him. But you know what? Here's what stands in the way, and this is why it took me years and years and still had to have a little discussion with God about when he said, maybe you should speak on work. Mm, I'm not going to say anything to Dallas for a few weeks. You have the ability to say yes to healing and revelation today about work. Because some of you are a, a lot broken about the work vision, and some of you are a little broken. But probably you have some broken. Because it's in our world. We live in a culture that says that. And so if we don't get this settled, and if we don't get healed and let God do what he's calling us to do, then we miss it. And we don't get to say it is finished because it's not really finished. We're still working for it. Do you want it to be finished? I want it to be finished. I want to just love and live out of the overflow of what God has and then see the way bigger stuff that I could never have produced. Ever. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. We know this, but we get trapped in that cultural demand of life. So Dallas talked about first word, last word last week. First word, last word, F-W-L-W. Let God have the first and last words in your life. Now that is, a, that is a tool that can help us to get here for work and for all those other areas. And he can start to heal our hearts and replace the thoughts that have been taking us out. Because the enemy is trying to take you out from work. Oh, church, arise and take your place in what God is calling you to. Church, arise. Let God do the work. Let God do the work. Let God do the work this morning in your hearts and let God do the work. We can start again from wherever we are today. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Holy Spirit has something for each of us in this, that he wants to change this for us. And so I ask now that you would close your eyes and I want you to think about the thing that you have believed about work. I want you to think about the moments that you have said yes to, oh, this is so exhausting and burdensome because it is sometimes. And God wants to bring healing. He wants to bring wholeness. He wants to give you a revelation of your work. So Jesus, we ask you now to come. Holy Spirit, do your good work in us. Convict our hearts. Show us where we need to repent. 
Church, I just want you to sit in that for a minute. What do you need to repent of? Have you believed the lie that you were only worthy if you produce? You need only repent of it. And he will take that and make it as if it was never there. And he will replace it with the truth that you are worth so immeasurably more to him. Some of you need to just repent of believing whatever was put on you about work. Whatever you grew up thinking about work, that you were gonna have to toil. Some of you are still trying to just find that place where God is calling you to. And so you're feeling desperate, like, where am I supposed to be? I wanna enjoy work. I want to produce eternal things, but I don't know where that is. God has a revelation for us this morning and we can either say yes or no to it. So church, do you want the revelation? You can pray this in your heart. Dear Jesus, I need this revelation. I need your healing. I don't want to leave this place with the same burdens that I came in with or the lies that I'm not enough. I want my identity to be in you. Thank you for coming for my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. And so I pray and seal this work that Holy Spirit has done in you today, church. I seal it in the name of Jesus. And with the power of the cross and the resurrection and the ascension, that it would go and do more than you could ask or imagine. And we will give you all the glory, God, because it is all yours. We just want to participate in work with you. We love you. We choose to declare our love for you today. In Jesus' name, amen.